Welcome. You're listening to Now That You Ask, curious answers to life's persistent questions as seen through the eyes of Akasha Halsey. That would be me. I'll be your host and guide as we settle in for a few minutes of the unexpected that may bring about your own questions and maybe even some answers too. Thanks so much for joining me. Now let's get started with the show. Cemeteries Cemeteries hold a special place in my being. I've always loved visiting my Aunt Kitty's grave in Alabama, mostly because she's with all her family, small though it was because of tuberculosis, which she also had as a young girl. Their plot is not particularly large for the five of them, and hers is the only gravestone made of pale pink marble. She herself was a small woman, with a tightly curled white head of hair and wore high-heeled shoes every day of her life to make up for her lack of height. Her brother and his only son were casualties of TB. And although her year in the sanitarium cost her the only love of her life, she remained alive and a spinster well into her 90s. Going to her family plot brings back memories of my Sundays with her throughout my childhood. Her sweetness and her fiery driving techniques, her indulgence of my every whim, and her request to my father as a birthday present for a visit to a strip club to herself in her much later years. These memories flash through my mind when I visit her there, and I always spend a few minutes telling her how much she meant to me then and still does today every time I go. On the other hand, my family's Halsey plot has no such atmosphere of closeness or inviting memories to lull you into staying a while. My daddy and mother, plus his parents, occupy a space without a tree or shrub to break the monotony of grass that will not grow. No matter the season or copious amounts of water, the ground remains an unattractive parched patch. Many times my sister and I have planted ivy around my parents' gravestones, and just as many times it's also died, replaced by stubborn weeds that flourish even without water. What is noticeable to me is the lack of memory that comes to me when I visit that plot. I had very definite relationships with my parents and grandparents, but none rise up to greet me when I arrive. The sheer starkness of that plot wipes away any inclination to stand and remember. If I want to speak to them as I do to Kitty, I simply sit on my couch and call them in. Sometimes I imagine I'll go back to Alabama one more time before I myself am gone, but I don't see myself visiting that plot in the same way I do with Kitty's resting place. On the other hand, almost any grave in the rest of the Huntsville Memorial Cemetery is of interest. There is the Jewish area, studded with tall angel statues and ornate gravestones laden with unfamiliar quotes. The older families from my hometown have plots, mostly in the same area as Kitty's, due to their longtime history as residents over the generations. Some of the wealthier family plots feature mausoleums, where generations are interned. Others are graced with tiny infant headstones, adorned with tiny little lambs. Walking through the cemetery used to be one of my favorite ways to spend a Sunday afternoon after Kitty died. The tranquility and silence, a source of nurture, as odd as that sounds. 
Because of this, I also enjoy visiting other cemeteries. The Presidio Cemetery in San Francisco is one such place. There are graves there from as early as the Civil War, soldiers so young I can hardly imagine them toting rifles. Cavalry soldiers take up one side of a gravestone and on the other side lie their wives. Sometimes an army officer will be buried with his sons on either side or members of an entire regiment placed alongside one another. All these plots are on raised ground, buffeted by winds off the San Francisco Bay, a beautiful vista on any occasion. There's a silence there of a different quality, possibly because of the breeze off the water, which brings with it a kind of harsh caress, or perhaps because it's a military cemetery and one cannot escape the regimented atmosphere among the thousands of rigidly placed gravestones. I bought myself a book titled 199 Cemeteries to See Before You Die, primarily because I could not believe there were that many that commanded a visit. I found out I was a taphophile, if I'm pronouncing that right, the name for a cemetery lover, and that was almost worth the price of the book right there. One suggestion to visit is the St. Louis Cemetery Number 1 in New Orleans, where vaults that line the perimeter of the cemetery can be reused after a year and a day. Extreme heat and humidity reduces the corpse to bones within a year, after which time a second coffin can be pushed inside. Can you imagine? Sometimes too much rain can cause the coffins to rise above ground and float around for a bit as well. Also included are famous cemeteries like the Taj Mahal, as well as many not so well known. While I'm intrigued and enjoy reading about such varied examples, what draws me to a cemetery is not its fame or beauty. It's the memory of the people there who played an important part in someone's life. That essence imbues the cemetery in its entirety, lulling a visitor in their own memories and infusing them with a kind of kindness. Now, I intend to be cremated, not wanting my body to go to the family plot in Alabama. I've left instructions for my ashes to be scattered along the back road to my favorite museum in San Francisco, where there is a sweeping view of the ocean, a strong breeze on a good day, and the promise of the tide bringing in new hope. This practice is strictly prohibited, but I trust my friends to figure out how to get it done anyway. I have no one to come pay tribute to me in the cemetery, but that's just the way my life turned out. Do not take this to mean I'm sad about this state of affairs. I have few regrets and make an effort to let the people I love know how much they mean to me while I and they are still alive. This is my way of having a kind of touchstone with them like the one I have with Kitty. And so far, it's working pretty well. Just another gift from the sweet woman who loved me unconditionally as a child and taught me where to find exactly what I needed by trying everything in life I could. Thank you for listening to Now That You Ask. I hope you found this episode insightful and perhaps entertaining, too. Don't forget to subscribe, and if you enjoy the show, please take a moment to rate and review it on iTunes. If you didn't like the show, well, I guess you just lost a few minutes of your life. But you might want to try another one. They're all really different. 
You can also listen to past episodes and subscribe to email updates on now that you ask podcast.com. Bye-bye for now.